I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, uh, I will not pretend. This is the third time that we try to record this. <laughs> and it's only my fault because I changed three times the location. So <laughs> let's hope for the best, you know? Yep, let's hope for the best. Uh, somebody else that's hoping for the best is Troy Weaver who has emerged as the top candidate for Detroit, the Detroit Pistons' new GM job, which is, feels like a long time coming. Every time that there's a GM job that opens up, it always feels like Troy Weaver either should be considered or should be the guy, and it looks like he actually might be the guy. It says that the Pistons are actively working toward uh, to complete a deal to hire Weaver. So longtime Thunder assistant GM finally gets gets his shot. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first um, Thunder uh, front office guy to to find a new job, a prominent job in the league. So that that is a testament also about the school that Sam Presti is building in terms of executives um, and also staffers. So it, it's good for a guy like uh, Troy Weaver to finally be able to prove himself uh, outside of, outside of uh, OKC and outside of Presti's um, leadership so it will be an interesting thing to monitor because i mean detroit is a franchise that is in a similar space uh compared to okc similar position um like an old franchise guy who's no longer uh, in his prime um kind of interesting talent maybe not to the level of shaky alexander but still uh, a young core developing they didn't confirm under they didn't resign under Drummond, so they really want to restart things. And, um, and yeah, it will be interesting to see like five year, five years from now, which franchise has a better um, is in a better position since they again they are starting basically from the same spot. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see if he takes the same position that Sam would, where you accumulate assets and. You know that's if that's how he'll try to to make this work because I mean Detroit obviously not a small market, but they yeah. essentially will have to operate like a small market uh, in a lot of ways, just because I mean when was the last time that Detroit got a a big time free agent? Yeah, I mean Ben yeah, Gordon, or, or Charlie Villanueva. You know, I mean like that's <laughs> that's probably the last one that I can think of. Yeah, or they can try to shuffle. The deck there, they have Blake Griffin, who is committed to, uh, I would say, at least another two and a half, two, two full seasons, probably three full seasons mm-hmm. uh, at big money. They can try to shuffle the deck and see if they can get uh, talent for Blake. Uh, of course, they, they will give up assets and young players in doing so. But maybe they can, uh, if they want to compete, they might be able to do that. I don't know. That that is a direction that I would take with that roster. I will probably try to see if, if I can uh, move Griffin. Maybe not this year, but but a year from now, maybe absorbing an even worse salary if there is any on the on, on the market, and and try to rebuild from scratch because Sekudumbuya um, is a nice prospect to develop, uh, and they have others. So it will be interesting. I don't know if. If they really have the possibility to be competitive by by reshuffling, but maybe they will attempt that drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got two years left on that deal. Oh, two years. Mm-hmm. I imagine it would. Yeah, be so may- not easy to move at at this point. This final year, not, not I think now. you can move it, but yeah, this year or maybe after tough. the deadline. Sup- suppose that somehow he he has a very very good start of next season. Um, he he had like a lot of rest, so maybe he can start off in December 2020 and play like an all-star. And mm-hmm. then 
in at the deadline that would be probably March or April, you have a player that is averaging, I don't know, 26 plus 8 plus 8, something crazy like that, yeah. then maybe one year and a half of contract, it's it's actually good value for for, for Griffin. He has, he has to stay healthy, though, and and to play at the level that he used to in Los Angeles. Yep. Yep. He only averaged 15 points, 4.7 boards, and 3 assists this season, shooting 35% yeah. from the field. I mean, just obviously not healthy and just not himself. It's only in 18 games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. he's, got, he's got a long way to go. He's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna get back. Yeah, it's not a it's not a tiny sample size though. Like 18 games is a quarter of the season basically. It's right. not nothing. Right. So if that is the production that you get from Blake, forget about it. You will keep the salary and you have, probably have to pay a lot to to yep. move it. But he has talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Forget about the athleticism that he used to have. You still have amazing talent i remember him checking trees uh two seasons ago uh, like shooting bare, like a uh, close to 40 percent. so yeah he has it in him so it's just a matter of how how quickly can he get into a reasonable shape and and if he has like he's lucky enough to to stay healthy for a good amount of time mm-hmm uh more nba news around 80 players got on a zoom call on friday night to discuss concerns over returning to play in the bubble in Orlando. And it's understandable. Kyrie Irving led the call and was very vocal, uh, even to the point of saying that he did not support the players going into the bubble. And that, that comes off of Kyrie asking if he can go as a player, um, an inactive player, just to sit and root for his team. I don't know if he just got more information or just started to feel a different way. I mean, the, the thing is that we are in such crazy times with the pandemic, with the racial injustice, with the police brutality. We are just in a just in such a crazy time that I can't I can't rightfully sit back and say, you know, Kyrie's mad that he can't go or if Kyrie Irving was healthy, this would never happen. I can't say that and know it for sure just because we are in such a crazy time that I just have to give him the benefit of the doubt here because everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everybody's entitled to change their opinion because we have such a vastly changing world around us that I think that it's okay. And if that's how he feels, I, I understand. Now, do I think that it's going to stop the NBA from returning? I really don't. I mean, it's it's been reported that it's really between 8 and 12 players that are saying that they do not want to participate. So we're not talking about 80 players. We're talking like 8. And one of those in Kyrie Irving isn't wasn't going to go anyways. So I don't I don't think that we should be concerned that this will stop things from from moving forward, but it is I think it is good to listen to all sides before you jump into something that's this big. Yeah, and it's also part of the ongoing negotiation between the player association and the league. Probably details are are being given uh, like daily about who is in, in, in a real bubble, who is not workers. Uh, of Disney of Disney World or whatever, so maybe as the details appears, um, both sides uh, are trying to understand what's the be- what is the best path to move forward. Uh, one thing that I found really interesting is that the, the name of Chris Paul was mentioned in every article that covered the matter, but no one said anything about what Chris Paul really said and what Chris' position is. Mm-hmm. It was really clear that. Like the position of a few players was really against going, and others were like vocal about, you know, if we don't do this, then we will lose a huge amount of money and probably put the, the entire league in jeopardy for the future. Uh, Chris Paul present presence was reported, but what is Chris' position? We we don't know, and I would be really interesting. Probably he he cannot have like. Um, a public position because he's the vice president of the or president of the um, 
player association and so taking one of the side sides probably is not good practice mm-hmm. but still I, I i really would would be interesting uh interested in knowing what it, what is that chris paul is thinking about the matter yeah i would guess that he's not far off of where lebron james is who he's very close with and I would be surprised if they weren't aligned. And uh, Sam Amick wrote a piece about LeBron James and his his viewpoint, and he wants to play. And obviously so, because he has a chance to win an NBA title this year. Uh, but also there's there's the viewpoint that why why are we going to go play when all this whenever we have a chance to really make a difference now? But then there's also the viewpoint of we have to go play because we can make a difference now. And I, I can't I can't advise somebody or, or say that, you know, you're wrong because you think that you can get it done in the bubble, or you're wrong that you think that you can get it done outside the bubble. I don't know. I really I really don't know what would make the bigger difference. I know that both could make an impact, but I can't say which would make a greater impact, but I I do know that a majority of players, including LeBron James, including Chris Paul, would like to return to play. And I also know that those guys won't be shy about activism while in the bubble. So I, I, I can say that for sure. And in one direction, you get only one of the two options. So you either uh, can go and protest with other guys like Russell Westbrook did, like, like many players did, um, or go into the bubble. Like or just like do that. If you allow uh, half of the league basically to to go into the bubble, you can still have both. You can have yeah. players like leaders who actually go and support the Black Lives Lives Matter uh, protests, and other players that are doing their jobs basically um, that can do other stuff. They can talk about it mm-hmm. in, in media sessions. They can do uh, any kind of actions. We don't know what what they will be able to do, but the, the, it is an option. So if you're concerned about the, the movement, then it's it's probably better if you keep yourself both options. Because like to, I'm not suggesting that LeBron should do this, but um, like kneeling uh, in, in a game, in a play of games, in the finals, uh, where something that is really powerful, say something that is really powerful when half of the world is listening it is a very powerful image. And so why, mm-hmm. if you are concerned about uh, giving an extra voice, giving an extra um, push to this movement, then probably it's in your best interest to give LeBron James an even better platform to say something about it. Yep. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think you're right. I think that they that they could be a great platform for them. Um but again, I I think that we're just we're just in some some uncharted waters during these times, and I think that a lot of people should be given a lot of leeway with their opinions and thoughts. But I I ultimately I don't think that the NBA is going to be stopped. I think that they will return, and I I think that they're going to give this give this a good a good try. Being quarantined with people, you uh, you learn a lot more about them, and some of that is how they smell. And if you are a man and you're looking to smell good, you've got to check out Hawthorne. I got some of their soap, body wash, deodorant, and lotion in the mail in a package, really a beautiful package. And it is great. It got this giant bar of soap that I've been using. It not only exfoliates, but it makes... Your, your skin just smell and feels so good. It's easily the best soap I've ever owned. And I've owned a lot of different soaps, but this is easily the best soap. And it's a great gift for Father's Day. So they've got cologne, they have soap, they have all kinds of body wash and lotion, and they have like hand cream and things like that that'll just make you smell great. And I think one challenge that, that men have is when you walk into a store, maybe you're going to find cologne, maybe you're going to find a good smelling soap, I don't know what I'm looking for, and I'm sure that you guys don't either. And so Hawthorne makes it super easy. You take a two-minute two minute quiz when you get onto their website. That's hawthorne.co. When you go to their website, and you take the quiz, and it actually 
ask them like random questions and some questions specific to you. And it kind of spits out this algorithm that gives you your kind of soap and your cologne scent, which is really cool. And it is so helpful to me because I don't want to have to choose that. I really don't care about choosing what it is, but Hawthorne does it for you and it does it right. So listeners, check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O, not dot com, Hawthorne.co. And use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. McKelly, we asked for some Twitter questions yesterday. We got lots of them, and we will jump in uh, right with this one at Alaskan Strummer. How many championships and executive of the years would Presty have if he had been hired by the Knicks rather than the Sonics? Uh, I mean, I don't know. The Knicks are not a good. I know, I know, I understand what he means uh, in his question, but I don't know if the Knicks is the franchise that I would use because being the general manager of the Knicks seems much, much harder to do uh, in some sense. Mm-hmm. Because yes, you have the allure of New York, so you can get any player probably to at least listen, but that that franchise is not functional. You will not be in charge period like Presti is in charge of the thunder period yes he has some owner to the owners to to talk to it and to report to but he's in full um he can handle the things he is in charge in new york it's not like that (laughs) so uh it's it's very it is reported to be very dysfunctional so i don't know if he would be still (laughs) the general manager of the knicks first uh, first and foremost, and about title, I don't know. It's he got pretty close to win one with the Thunder, and health mostly was the thing that he missed. So not really an ownership, uh, a general manager thing. Um, so I I don't really know. Uh, if you if you say I don't know Los Angeles, then probably he would have been in a better position, especially with the Clippers um, mm-hmm. under uh, Ballmer. He seems like a very steady owner, even if he's an energetic one, but it seems to trust his management. So, of course, the fact that, you know, you see, you, you cannot sign very big free agents is, is basically cutting part of, of uh, the possibility to a general manager. But um, it's really hard to project what, what he could have done in different places. Uh, um, Masai is something, someone that took uh, a similar path, uh, mm-hmm. but he was in bigger markets. So who knows? Yeah, it's a very hard thing to hard question to answer. It is. I mean, maybe you could say the Nets would be a better one that's not as volatile as the Knicks. Uh, yeah, but even even them, like they had a budget for like five years, and then after two years. The, the former owner basically just cut things off and yeah. said, well, no, I will not pay the tax for this team. Yeah. So this is exactly what you don't want as a general manager. You, you like you're acting with, with, a, with a portfolio, with a, with a budget, and then in two years, everything shifts. This is not something that, that Presti had to work with in OKC. He was given like a, a path, like a plan for 10 years, and the franchise basically was behind him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did his job extremely well <laughs> yep. because putting the franchise from a 30-win team to a 50 in in a matter of like two seasons, it's extremely hard. Yeah. But but even when things went south, like with Westbrook, with Chris Paul, like you, you could see that the the ownership, the, the owners were completely aligned with mm-hmm. him, and that mm-hmm. is something that you can rarely say. Yeah, I think. If Sam was given the full arsenal of tactics to improve a team, including free agency, which he really hasn't been given, I think that you could put together pretty... like Let's say that he was executing the process in Philly. I mean, maybe that's the one. Maybe you put him in there instead of Sam Hinkie. And he doesn't do it like Sam Hinkie, but... 
very similar. <laughs> I'll say that. It would have been very similar. I do think that he would have brought player like good character players in, like like he did with Nick Collison, to just be mainstays. I yeah, that, that would just be, take JJ yeah. Reddick. Just just yeah. put JJ Reddick on sure. any version of the Thunder. Like he was not like when he chose uh the Clippers, he didn't have like a huge salary. I remember something around seven millions, something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, that is a salary that probably OKC okay, like could could give to to Redick, but mm-hmm. it was a non-starter. So if you add like JJ Redick instead of I don't know Caron uh, Butler or whatever yeah. to play alongside KD and Russ, like a shooter of that caliber, that, like it changes the equation completely. Yeah. With the Clippers, he made seven million. With the Sixers, he made twenty-three million. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was talking about that year when he was the, um, between Minnesota and, and, and LA. Oh, I Milwaukee. Mean, and at LA? that time, yeah. Pro- Milwaukee. LA. But it was also a point where Minnesota was called. I remember uh, listening to the um, one of his podcasts mm-hmm. where it was between. Uh, Minnesota and uh, the Clippers in the offseason. Well, maybe maybe I'm mixing things up, but but still, seven millions. It's yeah. not a huge figure. You can probably get to with a sign and trade or whatever to 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 get a guy like JJ Red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was undervalued so, then yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, like a forty percent shooter. Can you imagine the space that the the Russ uh, could get with with JJ on the floor? It it would have been incredible. Yeah, yeah, it would have been incredible. He's a guy. I mean, he averaged last season with Philly. He averaged eighteen points a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, okay, next question. This is from at OKC Miffed. Not sure if this is a more of a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday question, if any. But what advice would you give to someone starting their own podcast or hoping basketball or non basketball or hoping to work in the podcasting industry? Well, that's your one. That's that's yours. Yeah, this one's <laughs> you fun. really do it for a living. <laughs> I would just say start doing a podcast and do it every. I would do it weekly at at the least, and just keep going. No matter if you're getting downloads or not, just keep going and listen to it and try to improve and figure out what other podcasts are doing. How how are they making it? But I would do it. I would make sure that it drops on the same day. Uh, I would try to make a drop at the same time if possible. If not, that's okay, but the same day for sure. Uh, And I would just continue to try to improve and just continue to generate content. And it, I will tell you, it takes a long time. I mean, 500 episodes into Down to Dunk, I didn't think that it was possible for me to do this for a living. And it took until 800 episodes in <laughs> for me to get there. So it takes time, especially in today, it takes time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And if that's what you want to do, you just have to kind of, you just have to grind it out. I mean, honestly, if unless you have some kind of advanced degree or something like that that would attract an employer, you just have to grind it out to get there. And so it's not impossible. Obviously, if if I can make it, just about anybody can make it. But no, that that is not true. But go on. <laughs> it's uh, it's it takes time. <laughs> it takes time. But that's what that would be my advice. Start just start doing it. If it's bad, who cares? Just make sure that you're trying yeah. to get better and that you're figuring out ways to get better. Because I can assure you the first, I don't know, 100, 200 episodes of Down to Dunk are probably not very good. So <laughs> just don't just don't sweat it. Just keep, just keep going. Yeah, and if I may uh, add a few things, you can also get into the podcast uh, like world as a guest, like I did. Uh, and if you want to do that, route um mostly you have to be lucky uh, you have to be you have to be lucky and you have to to have something to say and some something that other people want to listen and mm. and it's not it's not that i 
I necessarily have all the time. But one thing I promise, as much as Andrew talks about like constants, uh, being constant in, in producing content, you have to be informed and you have to spend time because I watch really a lot of basketball and, and, and it takes me like early morning wake ups. Uh, because I have a regular job like everyone does. Uh, I have a family, I have kids. And if I don't watch NBA basketball from 5.30, uh, 5.45 to, to 7 a.m., then it, it means that I cannot do it for the rest of the day. And so you have to, you have to put the work in uh, to, to have content, to have information, to have your opinion. And... And don't worry if your opinions are just like normal. You don't have to, to go all take like an all take um, after the other. You can have a steady opinion. You can have you can have opinions that others don't like. That that doesn't really matter. Uh, like you have just to put in the work and and study and and reading. Uh, I read a lot of basketball. Maybe I read more than what I watch. I, I read. Good um, authors like Zach Lowe, like Sam Amick, like um, like I need to read everything that Shams published because you need to be informed. Yep. And so, on the top of the quality um, check that you have to do on your podcast, you, you really have to talk with with people, interact, try to to uh, the way in which I get in touch with Andrew that everyone knows by by now. But I just try. To, to be in contact with Andrew because my goal was I have to, to, to talk with Andrew and or other guys like Fred Katz when he was on Locked on Thunder. I, I, I sent him like a lot of messages, a lot of like analysis that I did. And finally, once he responded and we started to interact. And so this is also another way to get yeah. into the podcast business. All good points. All things that I did as well. I mean, it's, it is, it's about networking. It's about having good information. It's finding your niche. Don't try to be too broad. When you're too broad, yeah. you're going to get lost. Yeah. So don't be like, well, I'm going to cover the thunder and I'm going to cover OSU Cowboys and the Sooners and all like, okay, you're already, you're already lost. Like, yeah. Find your niche. Or at least not at the beginning. You have to be, you have to have an audience for yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So you first have, like, you have to be a good base and then maybe you switch and it's extremely hard like there are very few people that can talk general news in the podcast environment and it's super yeah. hard super it hard is. to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i would i would uh i would just advise to find your niche and make sure you know it well and then network within it yeah. and if you don't get the answer that you want at the beginning just be persistent don't be annoying but be persistent if you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want to treat that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor, licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get your treatment that you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime that you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you've struggled with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. At Cole Profit wants Michele to make an Italian food rating scale similar to the cereal rating scale. So first of all, I cannot do that because there is no bad Italian food. So... You can, you can, yes, clearly. Um, uh, like jokes aside, uh, it's very hard because it's too broad. I mean, cereals are like very, very specific. I know that mm -hmm. there are that I, I am probably ignorant on, on, on cereals. So let's say there are many, but not as many as like the 
encyclopedia of the Italian cuisine. So I decided to restrict to wines and specifically white wines okay. because there I can give a very, very short and, uh, and, and good um, scale. So the last one, so number zero or one, whatever, uh, it's Tavernello. It's a very well-known brand overall uh, in, in the world because they, they actually sell it probably everywhere. Uh, they sell it in either very bad plastic bottles or um, carton <laughs> packages. Uh, it's almost cooking wine without salt, So, but, but it's like you can drink both of them in the same way. Uh, you will spit it out because it's horrible. Um, this, the number one, uh, number two, sorry, in the list are the wines that you can buy, but like in tanks of one gallon or more. That is always a bad tell in terms of wine. Not as bad as the carton, <laughs> uh, the carton uh, package, but still bad. Yeah. And you will know for sure that it is a bad wine when it should be still, but it's not really still. <laughs> so that is that is a terrible tell as well. Number three, and that is, that will surprise a lot of people because it's actually, it seems that outside of Italy, that wine is very um, has a very good um, sound, and like you you think that while you are drinking prosecco, you are really drinking one of the greatest Italian wine, but that is false. Prosecco goes by I don't know five or six uh, euros per gallon. Uh, it's produced in a industrial and massive way. If you pay a lot, then probably you will get a good Prosecco, but still, it's it's barely sufficient as a wine. Um, let's, go in, let's go in the good scale. Uh, so four points out of five, I will give to uh, very good Northeastern wine like uh, Riesling or Sauvignon Blanc, like mm -hmm. those wines, usually, if you, if you know the winery, then you can get really amazing white wines in Italy. Not Probably not at the same level as the Alsace in France that has like broader, um, different types and probably the quality is a bit better. But but still, wines like Gewurztraminer or stuff like that are in that uh, uh, four to five range. And five, uh, like everyone knows Champagne and Champagne in France is great. But we do have very good um, champagne also in Italy. Um, it's, it's not as marketed, but you can find amazing bottles, especially in the Northeast area, like Franciacorta area. You can find amazing good wine, uh, sparkling wines that have the same method as a champagne. Uh, the only difference is that since you are not in the champagne area, you cannot call them champagne. But the, the, the grapes are the same and the technique is the same. And I would say that that is the best uh, white wine that you can find in Italy. Maybe, I mean, if Champagne is five in France, then you get 4.8 in Italy, but still pretty good. Okay. Wow. That's so Champagne, uh, let's do it. Traminer, Prosecco, whatever stays in a bottle that is above one liter and right. <laughs> a carton package. <laughs> Something in the carton. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, the carton the carton does not sound good. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you can use it to I don't know to cook um, if you have to. Yeah. Uh, but Elephant King wants to know if we switch locations, what's the first thing that you would eat? A steak, a or steak, yeah. uh, on a and barbecue. That is, I didn't yeah. try it, and I really wanted to, but there was no time when I was there, and probably it's an Oklahoma style barbecue. For me. Yeah, there's a there's a guy that we just found. He's over near near our house, and he has basically traveled the country for years. He's from Wyoming, but he's traveled the country for years, just killing the barbecue game. He's he has a trophy room in his barbecue place. Oh wow! That is, he's got probably a hundred different trophies. Uh, it's wow. called Joe Bob's, and it's it was it's amazing. It's he. We had we got a full rack of ribs yesterday, and wow. it was unbelievable. Are you so, doing this on purpose? Yes. I still have to have lunch. <laughs> what uh? What what should I try? I mean, I don't I don't want to be. I I don't know. You got to tell me what I should try. The very first thing I should try. Uh, you know, 
the beauty of Italy is that wherever you go, there is a different go-to deal, the go-to dish. And so if you land in my area, then it's probably uh, Agnolotti, which is basically a kind of ravioli, but not really. Uh, this okay. is kind of uh, cursing. Like, I, it's it's not really true, but it's it's like basically pasta with um, with a roast a roast meat inside. And oh. it's very, very, very special. And it's something that it's basically the go-to dish in my area. If you go to Naples, you need to try real pizza uh, because it's it's completely different from what you have in the U.S. Not necessarily better. Well, yes, it's better, but um, but it's different. If you go, I don't know, in Sicily, then you need to eat pasta with a kind of tiny fish that it's called sarda, uh, who is very, very good. And so... I don't know. I don't know what to suggest. You have to tell me first where where you where you need to go. Hmm. I, don't, I mean, it all sounds amazing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if you go to Bologna, then you have to try real lasagna uh, because oh, it's what's, from what there. do you mean real lasagna? What do you mean real means that if you try lasagna in the U.S. and then you try it in Bologna, it will it will taste completely different. Like, I have barbecue. I can try to smoke meat, but I will never get close to what you have there. It's yeah. conceptually the same thing, but it's not the same thing. So you're saying the Stouffer's lasagna that you can buy at Walmart is not the same? This is no, not but true lasagna. I, I, would venture, <laughs> I would venture a little bit further. I'm saying that even in, well, if you go into a five-star, uh, three-star Michelin restaurant, then probably yes. For example, the best cacio e pepe pasta that I have ever eaten in my life was in Las Vegas. So if you go to that level, uh, I yeah. was a guest. I was not paying. So uh, just to be clear, uh, I cannot afford. But um, that level, yes, it's similar. But whatever, whatever you buy or whatever you eat that is, quote, Italian in like low-level restaurants or supermarket, it's not really the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'd love to try some real lasagna. I think that's what I'm going with. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, next question from at Pro Crier. Is there a Thunder draft pick you didn't initially hate or do a podcast about? <laughs> Kevin Durant doesn't count. It's a great question. Well, Steven Adams. I was on board with him from day one. Okay. Wow. Okay, not me. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve O. Okay, I didn't. Let's see. Oh, Perry Jones. I was super jacked about Perry Jones. <laughs> it was. It was a good. Like it was a good pick. You had to yeah. pick him. It's like Michael Porter. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you are uh, like a Nuggets fan and you are not super jacked about like Porter, what are you mm. thinking? Of course, mm. he can be a, a bust. Clearly. He has injury yeah. problems, like Perry Jones did. So, I mean, it's a perfectly good pick to be excited of. Yeah, I was I was very excited about yeah. about Perry. So, yeah, uh, can I remind like, the listener why I was so excited by Steven? You, yeah, yeah. I know that you know, but of I was course. watching the combine um, videos, and for some reason that year you could watch the entire combine. And there was a drill where there was a, a coach with a pillow, like a hard pillow in his hands. Uh, I don't know how to call them. Uh, so let's, let's go with pillow. And basically, they were punching big guys down low to see mm -hmm. if they could hit a, uh, a hook shot. And the first guy who, who did the drill was Olenek. And Olenek was constantly pushed by, I don't know, two, three feet by this massive <laughs> coach. Steven Adams <laughs> didn't move. So this coach really put effort into trying to move to, to move Steven and he was just there. Like like nothing was happening to him. And I remember that I, I thought, well, OKC really need um, a new center. And, and so I was all in. Well, there you go. In, it was the right take. It was the right take to have. We, did, we needed you on the pod back then because... <laughs> We didn't really know a whole lot about him, and didn't, and just felt like okay, he's just another big guy. Great, and the, the Thunder, or even the Sonics, 
going back, hadn't had a lot of luck drafting big guys. Yeah. So it was, you know, we, we had some reservations. And, you know, like Sam's recent draft history, I mean, there's nothing to be too excited about. Like, Baisley is probably the one, you know, after Steven that I think that you could get, like, truly excited. Domas! Domas! Oh, oh, Domas. I mean, that was their pick, you know? Yes. Yes. Domas, for sure. But, yeah, like, Devin Hall, Kevin Hervey, Terrence Ferguson, Cameron Payne, Dakari Johnson, Mitch McGarry, Josh Eustace. Like, those are the guys that you have to dig through to get to oh, Stephen boy. Adams. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited about McGarry, though. He could have worked. I was not initially, but later on, yes. Yes. It was a, it was a good bet. Like, it was a... Well, it was an interesting pick, at least. Yeah, it was. He was... I wonder if he would have still been there at the Josh Hughes' pick, though. Uh, there were was, rumors that the, that there were teams like the Spurs trying to move up to get him. Yeah, which in hindsight would have been great. For him, yes. Probably well, so. And for the Thunder. And great. for the Thunder, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you never, yes, you never know. Or like Popovich somehow oh, we know. does his magic. Oh, I think, I think we know. I don't even know if Pop's that magical. I mean, the dude's yeah. out of the league like that. Yeah, probably. You're probably. I don't know. Right. Pop. I, I think Pop may have thrown him out after year one. <laughs> or maybe he did. I mean, maybe these rumors are just like stupid. Uh, but um, and pro and and that is why uh, OKC tried to pull the trigger a little bit too early. You never know yeah. about rumors. Maybe it's just other team messing with you. And yeah, could be. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Uh, Nader Squad Eleven. Would you get back wow. on the brew train for I know for the remainder of the season and pick up Corey Brewer? Have you seen the latest training clips from Swaggy P? Who are your dream signings to fill the expanded roster spots? Neither. Yeah, not <laughs> those I, guys. If I have to pick, um, probably later in the in the in the feed uh, that I, I read this morning. There was a suggestion, the suggestion of Crawford or guys like that. Maybe you do that, but really, OKC doesn't have to sign anyone. I, I would really try to give as much time as possible on the court to Baisley and to Dort. I don't know if that translates really to winning, but right. I don't possibly care about that. Mm-hmm. There, there are very slim chances that OKC goes beyond the first round, and. Yeah. And even slimmer to go ahead, like to go above that. So, uh, and there's no downside because you have to go 0 and 8 in order to be in in da- in real danger, and, and maybe not even uh, in that case. So, what is They've the clinched. incentive? They've clinched a spot, so I mean, it's they're in. Oh, really? It, not even yeah. if they go 0 and 8, they can go into the tournament. They've clinched a spot. Then, then who cares? <laughs> then. Yeah. Like, uh, who cares? Like, just just play your guys. Even Ferguson. I mean, give Ferguson a chance to revamp his career and to see if those months were useful to him to put his head right. And in, not right. I mean, it was nothing wrong. But just, like, try to solve your problems and try to mm-hmm. play basketball again. Because um, I think that he had real problems. And it's never easy to address that. But maybe, maybe he did. Maybe use his time to to be in a better shape, uh, and so I would just try to go with with what I have, and and not really adding anyone, especially <laughs> Brewer and uh, yeah. and Spike I was against the Brewer signing in the first place, like two years yeah. ago. So not now, thank you. I would sign Alan Crab. Nice, He's a free agent. He was waived. He so he was traded to Minnesota and waived, and he's just sitting out there. I would guess that he's going to get a spot somewhere. Maybe he's so. a career thirty eight percent from three. I mean, is anybody? I mean, is is Alan Crabb better than Nader? This is yes. coming from the okay. Sign him. 
Yeah, but then I, I, I have to give him the minutes that I probably would give to, to Ferguson and Dort. Because he's better than Nader, but he also demands more than Ferguson and, and, and Dort. So he was waived. He was waived. You don't have to promise him to play. I mean, he just needs to play off the bench. He just needs to be a shooter off the bench. Yeah, but if you sign him, it's not like the Lakers can can say to him, "Well, just be with us, and we will probably win a title, and you will play one minute a night." Are you okay with that? And he said, "Yes." He will say yes if OKC yeah. offers him the same the same role. He will say, "Hell no." Because I mean, he can get a spot anywhere. So that's that's why it's hard for me to say yes to uh, adding someone. Because if you add someone mm-hmm. in OKC, like Brewer, Brewer was starting. There's no way Corey Brewer ends up in OKC if they say to him, "Well, you will you will come off the bench." No way. So I, yeah, I'm, but the problem is that that was the best option they had. <laughs> yeah, you know, on the top of I mean, that, that. On, on the top of their like asking. Uh, role for him. Yes, I know. I don't know. If Crab was amenable to a bench role for the Thunder, I'd bring him in. I think, sure. ha- I think he would help. I think he would help. The yeah. dude can shoot can shoot the ball. He doesn't have great size, but he can shoot it. Would you, would you and... sign him to a multi, multi-year contract? No. Then? <laughs> I don't care that much about Crab, <laughs> but I mean, let's say the Thunder make the second round and he is the seventh guy off the bench for them. Then it means that he's taking minutes. Well, okay. Then it it takes the Ferguson spot. Yeah, fine. No, not fine. Not Not fine, Andrew. Not really fine. I want Ferg to like... You want Ferg to to come in and shuffle the ball off and not space the floor and... Yes, exactly. (laughs) that's That's what we want. Yes, no, I understand what you say. I mean, I, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that changes much, for real. Like the added value to Fan and Crab, to OKC, it's it doesn't change the outcome. It may change one game. Yeah. But you need you need you already need more. So either I mean I, I again it doesn't change anything to me. If you say to me that uh, OKC has Crab instead of Ferguson. What's the outcome? Like first round exit. <laughs> it doesn't really change. I wouldn't wow. bet anything different. What do you really think that having Crab will push them to the second round? They have two guys that have averaged thirty-eight percent or better. This is a thirty-eight, a career thirty-eight percent shooter from three. Two guys, and one of them is Schroeder, who. I still don't believe is a 38% from three shooter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so they really have one and it's Gallo. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And the guys that are shooting it well, Nader's 37, Chris Paul's 36, Muscala 35, Shea 35, Steven 33, Lou 30, Baisley 30, Ferguson 29, Hamadou yeah. Diallo 20. Yeah. He would help. He would help. They don't have oh, another guy that does I'm what he saying, does. They don't I'm have a guy. They don't even have a guy that remotely does what he does. I mean, he's. I'm not saying that he so, will not help. I'm saying that he doesn't change the outcome. It's 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 different. So, uh, say that the odds today are thirty percent to get a, mm-hmm. uh, to to go to the second round. To me, adding crap will probably go thirty-five. Oh, great! Let's do it. <laughs> you sold okay. me. You sold me. Success. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> Great. Let's do that then. Uh, at Kiwi Greg five 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 five, can I hear your thoughts on the pros and cons of signing Lou Dort? More from the point of Dort. Yeah, from the point of Dort, to me, I'm not signing anything today. Yeah. Period. That is the point of view of Dort, because yeah. either you propose. Like something north of two and a half millions, so I don't know, four years, fifteen millions, with the last year being a player option. Then yes, but there is no, absolutely no way that OKC will offer anything above the minimum today, and they will be crazy to do so. Unless again, it's uh, four years with complete team control, 
um, at say eight millions, nine millions, but it's something that will not entice Dort. So I don't think that they will they will do anything, especially if they don't have to do anything. Yeah, I would I would guess that they're going to try to take him into Orlando on the two way deal and then deal with him as a restricted free agent this summer. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably beneficial for both to do so. I agree. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what that deal is. I still assume it's going to be low. I assume the salary cap will be lowered this this summer or really this summer, this fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think that Lou will be a part of the Thunder next season on a new deal. What it will be at, I would guess, still probably somewhere around the minimum deal. And um, maybe a little bit higher, just depending on what happens in the playoffs. I mean, if he can contribute to a playoff team and start and be a guy that helps him get to round two, then, yeah, maybe he's played himself into a a $5 million a year deal. It's not not impossible, but he's got to prove himself. Yeah. Uh, at, At 405 fan, give me the most realistic path to retaining our draft pick. So I'm on tankathon.com and the Thunder draft pick is currently going to Philadelphia. They essentially need to lose some games and they need Houston and Philly to do very, very well in these in these eight games. So the Thunder are currently tied with Houston, so Houston needs to jump them. And then Philly needs to jump them. And then possibly Indiana as well, just just for safekeeping. <laughs> yeah. And so they're is- all within a game of each other. Essentially, they're all within a game of each other. They're a game and a half away from Philly, game and a half away from Indiana. So if the Thunder lose four or five games, if they go 500 or maybe even worse than 500, then they probably keep their draft pick. Yeah, and the good thing is that both Philly and Houston has have like old interest in trying to win as much as many games as possible so and obviously yeah. really doesn't so yeah i mean would you want to lose five of the five of the games that they play and keep their draft pick and then play denver in round one yes well, there you go. I think that that's a sincere possibility. And that's that's how you get there. And then you get yeah. to play skin, skinny Jokic in round one. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our show today. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Hope you guys have a great Monday. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.